Brothers and sisters, you are in for a treat this morning. Dr. Frank DiMazio has been with us all weekend, and we'll get him one more time tomorrow with just the staff. Friday night, he was with the staff and elder couples. We were blown away yesterday at 250 plus people in here with all of our leaders, and it will never be the same. It was rich. Five weeks ago today, I preached after Pastor Arnold and I had gone out to Portland, Oregon, of all places. And um, I know some of you looked at me like, how did that happen in Portland? God is moving in Portland. Don't believe what Fox and CNN say, not only about Portland, but about anything. Don't believe anything they say. Um, And I told you about a pastor who is pastoring a church in downtown Portland, the inner city. I have come to learn his church is literally across the street from where the Antifa riots were. Reminds me of the church in Revelation 2. Um, The church is five years old and has 2,000 people, and it's a spirit-filled Bible-preaching church in downtown Portland. That's Dr. Frank's son, Andrew. Dr. Frank has written 40 books. Somebody asked me last night, which, do you, which book should I read first? I, I said, I don't know. I haven't read all 40 of them. This guy leads a ministry over 300 churches, instrumental in the fruitfulness of Portland Bible College, which most of the, the well-known ministers that we know about in our nation who are worth following are products of Portland Bible College. Pastored. Now, over 10,000 churches outside the U.S. that he oversees. And you, if you've been around here, you know for a couple years, we've been in this Fathers of the Faith series where the Lord told me three years ago in prayer, as we see so many great men of God, legendary fathers in the faith passing, the Lord said, get as many of them as you can. And um, today... You're in for a treat. You will remember the rest of your life this day. And also, if you want to blame anyone on the last six weeks, we had beautiful weather until Dr. Frank landed from Portland on Thursday. And now the Portland weather has arrived. Would you help me, everybody? Let's honor Dr. Frank DiMazio as he comes to speak. Appreciate you. Thank you, Bishop. I think I'll have Pastor Chuck travel with me just to introduce me. What an introduction. Thank you so very much. Um, Really, it's our privilege to be here. I have my wife with me, Sharon. You're going to have to stand one more time. Please, just stand. My wife, my one and only wife, been married 47 years. That's a uh, testimony to her spiritual maturity. Uh, We have four children, three grandchildren, and uh, we pastored two different churches. One we pioneered, one we took over after we were sent from that church to pioneer the mother church in Portland that you were at, Chuck, with the college and all that there. We pastored there for 25 years. Seven years ago, I turned the church over to one of the executive pastors, and I redefined myself into more of the stuff I do now with pastors and churches. One of the reasons is that I went through cancer 10 years ago, and uh, with the cancer, my uh, treatments uh, destroyed my hip, and so I have dead bone in the hip, and that's why I use a walker. I use a walker not because I'm old, but because it's a necessity until God sees to heal my hip. Uh, you know, I'm in, good, I'm in good company. God touched Jacob, and he limped for the rest of his life. So his testimony was not in the limp, is what the limp represented. And so... Sometimes God heals in certain ways at certain times for certain reasons. 
It's uh, my uh, honor to be with Chuck and Candace. Uh, I just want to say you have a, a wonderful church here at Restoration Church. We came across each other uh, kind of sovereign accidentally. It was uh, one of those things that uh, I didn't plan, he didn't plan. We just kind of somehow got together and uh, he direct messaged me, I think, texted me somehow and uh, got my attention and then we ended up communicating the last year plus, year and a half, and uh, it's been really my, my privilege to get to know them. I would say that you're a blessed people to have Chuck and Candace as your pastors. That's what I would say. Uh, they are, they are uh, you know, we get around. We are in different churches all the time and conferences with pastors all the time. That's our life. And so I meet a lot of different kinds of pastors in different streams and different places. You know, it's 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 uh, interesting life, uh, but it's really refreshing to come across pastors that really shepherd people, and really build local churches, and uh, really uh, have the ability to raise up leaders. I talked to 250 of your leaders yesterday for four hours, and, and I could have talked for probably four more hours. They are so receptive and so hungry and so honorable and respectful and love the word and prayer. And I would say your church has a great future based on what I saw yesterday with the uh, people of God that are leading you in every realm of this church. You're a blessed church. The worship, uh, you're a blessed church. I enjoyed... Uh, all the worship and the songs and the young lady that did Blessed Assurance, bless her little heart. I mean, she's just, uh, she's got a wonderful anointing on her just to verbalize those words. I can't do that. You can't do that. But she can do that. Uh, has that anointing to impart to the congregation to worship. So it's just really great to be in Atlanta. Uh, I'm really uh, sorry about your weather. Uh, you know. Wherever we go, we bring blessing and we bring weather. Uh, people tease us about that all the time. But by the way, Portland is a beautiful city. It does have beautiful weather. It doesn't rain all the time. People think it rains all the time. We have six months of no rain. Then we have six months of rain. Uh, but when it doesn't rain and it's beautiful weather, there's no humidity. We're more blessed than you are. There's no bugs, there's no humidity, perfect weather. Okay, so Atlanta, you're blessed, you're a beautiful city. All the trees turning colors right now, wow, what a beautiful thing. Our trees are also turning colors right now. And uh, it's the Northwest is beautiful, your place is beautiful, and we are blessed to be here. I have with me also uh, Daniel Villarreal from San Antonio. Will you stand, Daniel? Uh, Daniel is uh, one of the pastors I coach. Uh, I've been coaching him, mentoring him, whatever, for the last, I don't know how long now. It's been years. Uh, he pastors a great church in San Antonio, and uh, he's a blessed man of God. He's a wonderful leader. He just happened to say, look at Frank, you're going to Atlanta. I want to be with you. I just want to travel with you. I want to be there with you and help if I can. That's a wonderful friend right there, just to watch out for me and help me. And, you know, not because I'm old, uh, but because I need help, you know. Uh, and so also I just want to thank uh, all those that's been hosting me. Francis, uh, right, Francis? Huh? Felix. What's his name? Felix. Just a minute. I'm, gonna, I'm going to do a tongues and interpretation to get his name right. Felix has been the best host driving us. Um, I mean, he's, he's the driver, too. Even though he's lived his life here, he's from South America. And, uh, you know, we get close to cars. And uh, we, uh, you know, it's, it's an experience. It, I have to say my prayer life has been deepened since 
you've been hosting. Wonderful host, wonderful spirit. Uh, so enjoyed it all. All right. The, uh, the word that I have for you right now, I'm going to dive into it. This will apply to anybody in this room. If you're a first-time visitor, you'll get something out of this word. If you are a person that's never even accepted Christ yet, and you're on a journey to trying to sort it out, trying to find where God fits in your life, you'll understand what I'm talking about. If you're a prodigal, been away, been away from the house, away from God, little uncomfortable, maybe even sitting this morning feeling maybe some shame, guilt, or whatever might come around you emotionally, you'll understand what I'm going to say. And I would venture to say you're going to get something out of it that might even move your life closer to where you want to be with God. So those who have been walking with the Lord a long time, you'll get something also. It's for, it's for everybody. It's, it's a clear word for you personally, uh, for your business, for your job, uh, for your ministry, if leadership, for your church. I think the word will spread to all of these areas. I'm going to quote and start with Mark 8:25, and the name of my message this morning is called Expecting Supernatural Turnarounds. Expecting Supernatural Turnarounds. I want you to say the three words with me one at a time. Everyone say out loud, very loudly, expecting. expecting. One more time. Expecting. Okay, that's a word of hope. It's a word of reach. It's a word of desire. It's a word that has a little bit of the faith family in it. It's expecting. Now say the word supernatural. supernatural. And say the word turnarounds. Turnaround. So we're not talking about what the natural man can do or your own strength. We're talking about you expecting something beyond your reach that's in the supernatural realm that could turn something around in your life. So expecting supernatural turnarounds. In Mark 8, 25, then he, speaking of Jesus, put his hands on his eyes, speaking of the blind man, and it says in your Bible, Mark 8, 25, he put his hands on his eyes again. Everyone shout the word again. It's the only time in the Gospels, the only time where you will find Jesus praying for the same miracle twice. He only ever prayed and the miracle happened. This is the only miracle that Jesus prayed again the second time. And that man was healed Totally. The first time when Jesus prayed for him, laid his hands on him again. But the first time he prayed for the healing and he asked the man, what do you see? He says, well, I see, uh, I don't see clearly. He says, I see people like trees walking. So it's a blur. So then Jesus lays hands on him again and said, now look up. What do you see? And he was restored and he saw everyone clearly. So the miracle had a process. The miracle had a final destination of total miracle where he could see everything clearly. Everyone say out loud with me, I want to see. Come on, church. I want to see everything clearly. And that in life is one of the most important virtues you will ever develop. It's called perspective. When you lose perspective and you can't see things right, you can really get disoriented. You can become discouraged and disillusioned because you don't see things right. We live life in the natural realm and we don't see people right. We don't see the job right. We don't see uh, open and closed doors right. We, we sometimes get so blinded in our journey in life that our perspective changes continually according to what? Circumstance and pressure, and disappointment, and things you thought you wanted and you got, but you really didn't need and shouldn't have got, and you wish you hadn't have gotten. And so your perspective changes after some of those things. So I want to deal with your perspective on supernatural and turnarounds. I want to deal with your perspective on how you see it. First of all, when we talk supernatural, let me define it. Supernatural God, supernatural God. Now, we understand we serve the God of the Bible, God of Scripture, and God defines himself in the Scripture. However man defines God doesn't hold up to how God defines himself. If you want to know how God defines himself, you have to go into the Scriptures and see 
what the scriptures say about God. And that's the God we serve. So a supernatural God is this. Our God exists outside of the natural realm. So we're not serving a God that is captured by the natural realm. He's a God outside the natural realm, above and beyond the human realm. And so whatever I experience, whatever my limitations and my challenges and all that, I am not just tied to my natural realm. I'm not tied to the human realm because I have a God who's a turnaround God. And this turnaround God has power to do things that the natural realm, the natural mind cannot even comprehend. But that's the God I serve. So he's a supernatural God. So as a believer, you have the opportunity to choose. You have the opportunity to choose your worldview. A lot of people talk about worldview today, and there could be a whole teaching or several hours we could talk about worldview and humanistic worldview and multi-God worldview and historical worldview and, you know, psychological worldview and all the different views that people have about life and about God himself. But for you and I, we have what is called a biblical worldview. Why? Because the Bible is the center of how we think. It's not the peripheral, it's the center. And so the Bible is what causes us to reason, to think, to believe, to come to conclusion about. Even if you don't understand things you think about or things you read about, if you go to the scripture, ultimately you'll begin to understand because the Bible becomes your worldview. Some people say there's no hell. Well, uh, you know, that might be their worldview, but it doesn't change the fact there's a hell. Some people say there's no heaven. It doesn't change the fact the Bible says there is. Some people say Jesus is a way, not the only way, but the fact is he is the only way. That's what the Bible says. And so as a believer, you are, are captured and limited to a worldview that is in the Scripture. And one of that piece of that worldview is how you see God. How do I see God? I see God as El Shaddai. He's almighty. There's nothing beyond him. He's all-powerful. He is Yahweh. That's the Hebrew tetragrammaton that was translated so that we could say the word Yahweh because it's unpronounceable. And that particular Hebrew word just simply means he'll be all you'll need when the occasion arises. He'll be all you need when the occasion arises. And so as you face life, you have a Yahweh. You have an Almighty. You have God Almighty. And as you face life... He rises to the challenge of what you face because he's the Yahweh. He's the God who rises to every challenge every time. He's the God who can. When you pray, as we sang this morning, you know, sing to the Lord your prayers. When, when you pray, you're praying to a realm that has no impossibilities. The realm of God is only in the possible. There is no impossibilities in the realm of God. God doesn't hear your prayers and say, oh my, oh my, oh my. That's going to be a tough one. That's going to be a tough one. What are we going to do about that one? There is no tough one in heaven. There's no, it can't be so. There's no, in God, all things are possible. In God, all things can be. He is omnipotent. He is all powerful. He is the God who can do anything at any time. He's the God who rose Jesus from the dead. He's the God who breaks diseases off of people. He's the God who does things that we can't even imagine that he can even do, even open the door to do. But that's the God we serve. Can I hear an amen? We serve all, everyone say, Almighty God. That's right, he's Almighty God. And so you need to remind yourself right now, in the midst of your valley, facing your mountain, whatever it might be, He's a supernatural God. No matter how you feel, God can create something that you cannot even imagine. Now, because he's a supernatural God, you can have supernatural intervention. This is what I mean by this. A supernatural intervention is when God steps into my world. It starts at salvation, but it doesn't end there. God keeps stepping and enlarging his footprint in my life as I learn to pray, as I learn to do what the Bible teaches me to do with my mouth, my confession, etc. When God steps into my world, whatever my world is, he changes the course of events continually, all the time. This doesn't stop. With an outcome of his choosing and making, that positions me 
for supernatural turnarounds, what we would call a defining moment. Now, I believe I'm talking to people this morning that you're in the place where, where God wants to place you in a defining moment, a pivotal point, a tipping point, a, a, a critical point, a God moment, a God moment where you lean past where you were and all of a sudden something opens up and you realize there's something that God can do that I was not thinking, I was not even believing. I had given up on that dream or that problem or whatever it might be. But as God begins to intervene, he begins to position you, and sometimes that's a process, and he positions you where you have open heavens and open heart, and you start believing that this is your tipping point. This is the time where God wants to do something that would be pivotal in your life. I'm saying to every one of you, God has a pivotal moment for your life, and God is preparing that moment for your life, and that moment will affect you and your children and your marriage and your business and your job and your future. The devil has no control over it. He has no word over it. He can't do anything about it. God is greater than the devil could ever even imagine. The devil is a weak angel. He's a fallen angel. We serve almighty God. We serve omnipotent God. We serve the God who is making you and me. That's the God we serve. He opens Red Seas. He water out of the rock. He raises the dead. We serve that God. We forget that we serve that kind of God until we get into another atmosphere. And when we get into another atmosphere, we realize there's a real gap between the way I think and the way God thinks and the way I see in the way God sees, and the way God works, uh, I think he works, and the way he's really working. I can remember so, so clearly, again, during the miracle seasons that I've had in my life and, and my ministry over the last four or five decades, I've been in places where miracles happen. I remember being at the Catherine Coleman meeting. Most of you are too young or too old to remember Catherine Coleman, but I met Catherine Coleman. I preached at her meeting when I was a Jesus freak, when I was in my teens. I knew nothing about Catherine Coleman. I was a Baptist child. My, my dad was a Baptist pastor. I knew nothing about miracles, nothing about the Holy Spirit. I knew nothing about nothing. I was one ignorant person when it came to the things of God. And I lived with Albie Pearson, who was the center fielder for the Los Angeles Angels, and he had uh, his lower back pulled out, sliding into second base, and so he started meetings in my city, and that's during the Jesus People Revolution, the movie you see. We're all part of that. That was my roots. That's, that's where I came from. And so Albie one day said to me, would you like to go with me to a Catherine Coleman meeting at the Shrine Auditorium in Los Angeles? Well, I said, sure, I'll go with you. I don't know what it is. Uh, Catherine Coleman, never heard of her. What does she do? He says, well, she does lots of things. Uh, and he says, you'll need, to, you'll need to just see it yourself. We had uh, supernatural things happening during the Jesus People movement. Now, I won't get off on that, but I saw my first miracle, my first blind eyes open, the first deaf ears open. I saw miracles during the Jesus People movement, bonafide, actual, real miracles that I had never even imagined could happen. When I went to the Shrine Auditorium, we pulled up in the back. There were people wrapped around the shrine. It seated about 8,000 people, and people waiting to get in, but Albie was her guest, so he drove around the back, and then they let us in, and it was an old office complex in the back. I mean, old, broken, broken office windows and everything. It was a mess of a building in the back, and so we're in this kind of a dumpy part of the building waiting, and here comes Catherine, and I remember, I don't know her, never seen her before, know nothing about her. And here she comes with this long white dress on that it seemed like her sleeves were sewed to the bottom of the dress somehow because when she lifted her arms, she looked like an angel. And so she came through the room and she says, Oh, Albie, it's so good to see you today. And I thought, what a weirdo. Who is this? It was Catherine Coleman. But if you met her, she was a strange gal. And who do you have here? Oh, this is Frank. He was a druggie. Now he gets, oh, Frank, I'm so happy she gives me a big hug. And I'm still thinking, this is so strange. And so then we went out to the meeting. And the atmosphere, the atmosphere. We, we go to the platform with 40 other doctors and pastors. I'm there only because I'm with Albie. 
And the place is packed, packed. I've never been in a place with 8,000 people that sang songs and worship. I, never in my life. 8,000 people seemed like a million people. And as we started singing, that something just happened. A thick presence of God. So much that you didn't want to move, speak, or do anything. It was captivating. It was real. It was the presence, the glory, the Holy Spirit. And there was only one piano player that was leading in the songs. That's it. One piano player. And as we were singing, that presence of God just kept falling. And people are weeping. And I'm at a place where, again, the gap. My gap is, I know God. I know God can. I know God from the Bible. I know what Alvy's been teaching us. I know there are miracles. But I've never felt this. And then at, after the first few songs, Catherine just kind of took the platform unassumingly. And she immediately began to move in the word of knowledge, which I had never seen also, never seen in my life. And as she's talking, she's just very warm and simple and very, very sensitive to what's going on because there's a presence in that place. And she said, there's a, there's a young girl in the balcony. You're probably seven, eight years old. And you were born blind. And you are being healed right now. And I want your mother to bring you down to the front. Sure enough, down comes this eight-year-old girl who comes to the platform. And Catherine lays hands on her again and says, child, you're going to see everything clearly. And it was like a pop in the atmosphere. She was healed. And if you've ever seen a young girl healed that was born blind, it's not like a TBN meeting. Oh, I'm healed. Thank you very much. Thank you, Catherine, for praying for me. It's not like a church service. The girl went crazy. She went berserk. She started running back and forth on the platform. The ushers had to tackle her to keep her from running off the platform. No kidding. The mother faints. The mother faints. The mother's gone. She's out. She wasn't slain in the spirit. She fainted. She was gone. They pick her up. Catherine prays for her. She goes down again. Catherine finally gets the girl. The girl is sobbing. The mother is sobbing. The ushers are sobbing. The people are sobbing. Everyone is sobbing. Why? Because God has entered the house. The presence of God had come into that place. Something filled the people. And, and when you experience that, you understand there's a gap between what we think happens in a room and what could happen in a room. There's a gap in our understanding and how God moves. And she went on to other healings and things started happening. And it, it's just, it was an experience. When I was in, in Argentina, in Brazil, in different places during the revival times, and I was in revival atmospheres, I realized there was such a gap between what I knew as church, how I pastored my church, and what could actually happen in church. And it shook me to understand I needed a supernatural intervention. I needed a footprint of God to come back into the house and to do what he does best. Be the almighty God, the healing God, the miracle God, the salvation God. Seeing people come to Christ, seeing, seeing prodigals return. Even while we're singing, while I'm preaching, I remember the first time that the Holy Spirit fell on our church. I mean, fell on our church. I was talking to the people and I had had an encounter with God. And I wanted to lead the people into it, but I didn't know how. I didn't know how. And so we had a platform, sanctuary seated like 3,500. So it's, it's a large room and large platform and many steps down. And, and so I'm preaching, standing and walking. And I'm going down the steps and I'm trying to, to birth something, but I don't know how to birth it, but it's in me. And I started talking, and, and while I was talking, people started coming to the front. At first, I was confused. 
said, why, why are they doing this? I didn't give an altar call. I didn't say anything. And people just started, I mean, a few hundreds laying at the altar. Come and just lay down and start crying, weeping. People start getting slain in the spirit. I've not done anything yet. The people started walking down the aisles and they, they couldn't walk. They just fell out. So it looked like the place had a bomb, a Holy Ghost bomb that went off. And people are laying everywhere, all over the sanctuary. People are crying. And I'm trying to lead something that I'm not even leading. I'm, I'm trying to act like I know what I'm doing. I don't have a clue. I, I don't know what to do. And so I just said to the people, uh, let's just, uh, just press into God. Well, the people have already passed me. They've already pressed into God. And so I just said, oh, God, don't pass us by. And the, the Lord hadn't passed us by. He had already arrived. So finally, I just said, I'm going to get down on the altar myself. You do whatever you want. And just let. That was the beginning of the Holy Spirit falling on our church and ruining our services. <laughs> ruined, ruined our services. And the people, the people from the first service, we have no parking. We have a horrible parking situation. But the people wouldn't get up. They, they, there was no controlling anything. And so when the second service people started coming in, there were people all the way to the doors, through the foyer, into the parking lot that were out. Went to their car and fell out. In the, in the parking lot, people are praying over people. They're being slain in the spirit. People are praying for healing for people in the foyer, and people are getting healed. Things are going on without anything I'm doing. So when the second service came in, I feel like I have to say something, but what do you say? I just said, you know, we had a... We had Something happened. And whatever that something is, you're welcome to join us. And sure enough, as those people came in, God started moving. There were healings. There were miracles. There were people being slain in the spirit. There was, there, everything started going. And I realized what the church in America needs more than anything right now is that we need God back in the house. We need God back in the church services. We, we, don't, we don't need more formulas. We don't need more formulas. We don't need more formulas. What America needs right now is we need a visitation of the Holy Spirit that will take over the body of Christ and begin to transform the church into the church that it's supposed to be, a church that sees, like the book of Acts, the miracles and the power and the revival of God. Our hope in America, and I still have a dream, I won't give up on this. I believe revival is on its way. I believe God is going to move on the church. I believe there's going to be more outpourings of the Holy Spirit. I believe there's going to be churches that will rise up and become centers of prayer and centers of the Holy Spirit where pastors can come and drink and learn how to get rid of their dead formulas and their dead church and their dead ideas and get resurrected again in the Holy Spirit. Can I hear a shout and a clap to God this morning? May the Lord do it. A supernatural turnaround. Well, the church needs a supernatural turnaround. Pastors need supernatural turnarounds. We need somehow to get this gap fixed so that we don't have the God of the Bible way off over there somewhere. And we're still serving the God of an idea, but not the God of reality. We got to bring it back, his footprint. When he comes, he makes turnarounds happen. Okay. I'm, I'm still on my introduction. <laughs> Come on, how many, how many feel something in the spirit right now? You, 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 feel, you feel something. Hunger for. Hunger for. Spiritual turnarounds, my definition is simply this, and this is what we're believing right now. 
A supernatural turnaround at the divine encounter. I'm wanting you to have one. Your life. Your family. A divine encounter with God. Where God reverses my circumstances. He's the God who can do the reverse. He turns the negative into positive and shifts my thoughts and life toward a new direction. Unlimited turnarounds. They're radical by nature. But the turnarounds I'm talking about, it's a turnaround for you to see coming to your life. Maybe it's a turnaround for you spiritually. That you would have an encounter with the Holy Spirit that will take you to places you've never been before and things you never thought about before. That turnaround that would come that would maybe reverse a spiritual decline in your life or a spiritual lukewarmness. I would think it would be difficult for you to attend Restoration Church every Sunday and stay lukewarm. I would think that would be a formula for, for torture for you. To have to come every and resist the Holy Spirit every time you can. No, 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 I'm not going to give in. I love lukewarmness. I'm in control of my life. This is what I'm going to do. Please don't press me. Don't keep pressing. That's what you'd have to go through every time you come to church here because the presence of the Holy Spirit is going to slam dunk you into becoming a radical believer and a radical Christian. He, he's going to visit you. He's going to get you. He's going to win you over. He's going to win you over. So you're welcome to bring your lukewarmness, your, your whatever. But I'm telling you right now, when you get to a place like this and this atmosphere, and it's going to increase, this atmosphere is going to increase, you're going to find yourself in a reversal. Things you thought you'd never pray, never say, never do. All of a sudden, you're one of us. You're saying things that don't make sense. You're praying prayers that are too far out. You're giving money where you should be keeping it. You're laughing when you used to just frown all the time. You're actually saying amen, lifting your hand. You're acting like a radical, spirit-filled person. I welcome you to the tribe to act like that. It's an opportune time for you. You know, in the old days, when the ships would come in, there was no harbors built. And so when the ships came in, they simply had to wait outside of the wave system for the tide to turn. And then they'd have to catch the tide in order to get to shore, or else they'd have to wait till the next day. So when the tide would start to come in, they had a word that the sailors would use. It's actually translated in your Webster's Dictionary from the word that they used in Latin for the word opportunity. And the sailors would simply shout to everyone on the ship, Opportune, 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 which meant get the sails ready. Everybody get to your place because the tide is turning and this ship is going to shore. Opportune, opportune, opportune. It was a sailor's word to say opportunity has come and the tide is breaking and we don't want to miss the tide. So we need to take advantage of our opportunity and get this ship to shore. I'm prophesying to you this morning, opportune, 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 opportune. The tide is coming. The ship's going to go in. Catch the waters. Don't wait any longer. Take advantage of the moment. It's opportune. Opportune. A supernatural, divine, opportune, a favorable moment. Okay. Are you all right? Here's some scriptures for you. Zephaniah 3.9. Zephaniah 3.9. In the end, everyone say in the end. In the end, 
Everyone say, I will turn. Okay, we're talking about supernatural turning. And this piece of scripture, I want the rhema word to come into your spirit this morning. I want you to think about it. In the end, I will turn things around for the people. Whatever the attacks from the enemy has been, I want to tell you in the end, God will turn it around. There will not be an ending where the devil wins. There's not an ending where the devil will slam dunk you. I'm telling you right now that in the end, when the story is told, when things really happen, when Satan's grip is, is pried off of your life and God begins to open doors and do things for you, you will see it come to pass. Do not give up in the valley. Do not give up in the darkness. Do not give up because you can't see the end. Do not give up because you've already messed it up several times. I'm saying to every one of you who have tried to mess up the process and you got your hand involved and you shouldn't have, I'm telling you right now, just pull your hand back and let the Lord do his work because in the end, in the end, in the end, I will turn it around. E. Stanley Jones, one of his quotes, he talks about an attitude, and he said, surrender, which is the hard thing for us, surrender the thing you fear into the hands of God. Fear is keeping things in your own hands. Faith is turning them over into God's hands. It's the turning over that becomes the challenge for the believer. Why? Because we fear if we turn it over, what might God do? You know, if you're dating an unbeliever, which in my book is a dangerous thing. So you have to turn that man or that woman over to God, but then you're afraid. What happens if, if they never come back? What happens if I make a decision that will affect the rest of my life? And of course you are. But you have to surrender the things that you try to keep in order for God to take the things that you shouldn't keep and turn them into things that you should keep so that you don't get confused with the keeping. Right? And so you surrender. You surrender. You, you let it go. Here's another scripture for you. Psalms 126 verse 1. When. Everyone say out loud the word when. When the Lord turned again. Not if. When the Lord turned again. Turned again. I'm talking to people this morning that need the again. The again. Turned again the captivity of Zion. Streams in the south. Sudden floods in the desert. To turn it again. Here's another one. Proverbs 13.1. Unrelenting disappointments. I find this verse to be very comforting and a verse that has some uh, uh, Holy Spirit understanding to humanity and what we all go through because disappointments is such a huge part of life. And here it says unrelenting disappointments, those disappointments that just will not let go of your mind. They, they won't let go of your life. Maybe you caused the disappointment. Maybe you were a big part of the disappointment. But unrelenting disappointments leaves your heart sick. How many here have ever had your heart get sick? How many here have ever faced unrelenting disappointments? I mean, they just don't let up. They come back every day. You lay down to sleep, it comes back again. You get up in the morning, it comes back again. The reminder, the disappointment, the hurt, the loss, whatever it might be, it's just it's unrelenting. But I'm, I'm going to give you this in good faith, believing this scripture is for you. But a sudden good break can turn life around. Sudden good break. Can, can I just put that rhema spirit in your heart this morning and say to you, even though it sounds like maybe an a, a ultra faith speaker, you know, promising you everything, I would rather be a faith speaker than an unbelief speaker. And I would rather get you leaning toward a miracle than saying it's never going to happen for you. It's not going to come. I don't care. You're going to have a sick heart the rest of your life. And your disappointment, you're going to live out. You can't remove everything from your life. It's just what happened. I mean, you caused some of it. I mean, just suck it up. That's the way it is. I would rather go the other way and say I serve Almighty God. I serve the God of redemption. I serve the God 
who can do. I serve the God who can create. I serve the God who can take care of my unrelenting disappointments. And I think I have the right to pray for a sudden good break that can turn everything around. The guy praying for the horrible boss he had and the job he had, and it had gone on for years. And he said, you know, I don't know what to do about this. I just don't know what to do about this. I'm stuck here. And I said, you know, a sudden good break, a sudden good break, a sudden good break. He prayed that way. And the very next day, it doesn't always happen this way, but thank God sometimes it does. The boss got transferred to Alaska. <laughs> Suddenly, the bad boss was gone. And all of a sudden, a sudden good break, he got a promotion. But suddenly, things can turn around. I want to tell you that God does things suddenly sometimes, and he can turn things around. You can believe for the slow process, because sometimes that happens. But I'd rather believe for the suddenly, and if I have to settle for the slow, let that happen. But I'm going to press toward the suddenly. Mark 5.29, immediately. You know, that's the key word for the book of Mark, right? Immediately. Mark 5, 29. Immediately. The flow of blood, blood dried up, and it says in your Bible, if you want to circle it, and suddenly, after years, you follow the text, she spent all of her money, so all of the doctors, she was nowhere, she couldn't be healed. She, she had tried everything. She was depleted of everything. But immediately the flow of blood dried up and suddenly she felt in her body that she was healed. Thank God for Mark 5.29. And suddenly the blood stops. To, and Jesus turns and said, what, somebody, somebody touched me in a way where virtue just left me. I want to, disciples, come on, Jesus, everyone's touching you. No, this woman or this person extracted the virtue from me. And suddenly, their whole, the whole life was turned around. Suddenly, can you imagine, can you even imagine what that suddenly meant to that woman? Life restored. How about Second Chronicles 29, 36? Hezekiah. God did for the people. This is in your Bible. Second Chronicles 29, 36. God did for the people, for it was done suddenly, quickly, without warning. Instantly, the prayers were answered. I, I think, again, for the sake of culture that we live in, for the sake of the gospel that we preach, for the unsurmountable needs in people around us right now that are so broken, so filled with fears, so filled with worries, so confused about life, I think the church needs to have a suddenly. I don't think we need to keep thinking it, it's going to get better. I don't think culture is going to get any better at all. I think we're in for a long, hard haul. I think evil will find its roots. But greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And greater is the Holy Spirit than any demon of hell that's attacking culture. But the church needs to become the power church it is called to be. And it's suddenly, I think we need something suddenly to shift in the Christian community that actually causes the church to return to the place it's supposed to be and for each one of us. And suddenly, God did it for the people. Okay, I would imagine, because you didn't tell me the time to end, I would imagine you end at 1230. 
Oh, you want me to keep going for a little bit? Okay. Okay. Bless you, my son. All right. He, I'm not going to take advantage of this freedom. He's, he's going to give me a few more minutes. But remember, a day is like a thousand years. All right, but I'm not. I'm going to try to move. Can I give him the Isaiah one too? Is that worth giving? Okay. What do you think, Candace? Yeah, okay. Candace, who you know has true authority here. My scripture for you, Isaiah 43, 18, 19. Take it to your heart. Just apply it to your spirit. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something new. It's bursting out. You're going to see it. But the Lord said, do not cling to the events of the past or dwell on what happened so long ago. You need to start watching for the new thing. It's already begun. But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do, for I'm about to do something brand new. And see, I have already begun. If that scripture is for you this morning, wave your hand at me and say, I'm ready for that. I'm ready for that right there. And I, I'm actually going to forget about what has happened. I'm going to forget about trying to interpret. I'm going to forget, forget, forget. And I'm going to believe that the new thing has already started in me and for me. And it's bursting out. All right. Important scripture. Haggai. Turn around expectations looks forward, not backward. And I want you to notice one little word that I'm going to read, and then we're going to pray. It's the word F-R-O-M, from, from, from. Listen how it's used. Haggai 2.15. And now carefully consider from, everyone say from. from. From this day, everyone say this day. Yes. Now this is what I call prophetic boldness, where the prophet is prophesying to people that have been working on the walls for 50 years, and he's trying to get them to pick it up again and to finish. And so he actually gives them a profound prophetic word using something that is very accurate as far as timing, and I'd like to just apply it, if I may, to your life this morning. And I want you to take Haggai 2.15 and now carefully consider from this day. Everyone say this day. Yes. Talking about November 12th. Date it. Mark it. Believe it. From this day forward, before stone was laid upon stone in the temple of the Lord. And then he goes into, which I won't because of time, but Haggai 2 verse 18. He gets very specific. And consider now, everyone shout the word from. So he's prophesying. And he's not afraid to date it. Consider now from this day forward. And then he says, from the 24th day of the ninth month. From, come on, shout from. From this day. The foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. And so you go through the book and you find that there's a prophetic marking of the day that he says to the people, I know you're discouraged. I know you've been at this for over 50 years. I know you don't think this will ever finish. I know the enemies have been all around us. But I'm telling you right now, I have a word for you. I want you to mark your calendars because from the ninth month and the 24th day, forward. The sovereign hand of God will come upon us and we will finish the work. We will build the wall. We will finish the temple. God will come in his glory. God will restore Restoration Church. God will restore and do something mighty in our midst from this day forward. And I prophesy to you right now this morning for Restoration Church that November 12th is a marking day for you from this day forward. The hunger for the Holy Spirit, the hunger for the presence of God, the hunger for change, the supernatural atmosphere, the miracles and the healings and the power of God that can be in this place from this day forward. Not that you didn't ever believe it before, but we're marking today as saying, for my life, 
for my house, for my marriage, for my children, my business, my job, and my future. From November 12th forward, I marked a miracle coming on my life. I'm opening up the doors, and God is going to do mighty things. From, come on, shout from. from. What a great word. From. Who would think such a small little word it have so much prophetic power. So much prophetic power that the people rose up from one little word. Come on, church. Stand to your feet. Rise up with me. Rise up with me. And let's take the word today. Let me, let me uh, speak a word over over Chuck and Candace right now. Just step forward to the front here more so I can see you better. And, and Daniel, you come lay hands on them. And, and let me just say that this word is for you. This word is a word that is marking your life from this day forward. For the Lord is marking your life because so much has brought you to this point. There's been a price to pay. There's been a cost. There's been attacks of the enemy. Even though you smile and you stand in faith, there's been discouragement, disappointments, and things that have come your way that you've had to walk through. And the Lord would say to you from this day forward, I'm putting the pieces of the puzzle together that you've tried to put the piece in place, but it just didn't fit when it comes to ministry and church and family, your own children, and things that are going on around you. The Lord's putting the puzzle today together. And he's saying to you, from this day forward, there will be a new grace. And there will be a new nuts. There will be something happen in your spirit as you lead this church that you'll begin to see things you've never seen before. You'll start seeing in the spirit the future. You'll start seeing in the spirit decisions that were hard before. They'll become so easy. And the Lord is going to drop into this place a bomb of Gilead. There's going to come a bomb of Gilead, a bomb of healing. There's going to come a bomb uh, that will be released in this place that will cause the miracles to happen that you see two or three. You're going to see multiples and multiples. There's going to be more people come into your house than you could ever, ever, ever imagine. And you're going to have influence. Don't be afraid of the influence. Don't be afraid of the word that you carry. Don't be afraid of the authority God has given you. God will put a word in your mouth for leaders and pastors and other churches, and you will be a repairer of the breach, a restorer of the walls, and you will build with that anointing upon the both of you, and you will raise up mighty leaders around you. And this church will be known as a watering place. This church will be known as a healing place. Their church will be known as a place to bring the salvation people and bring the prodigals. The Lord would say, get the robes ready, get the rings ready, get the sandals ready, because there are many prodigals returning to the house of God, more than you could imagine. The Lord is going to do a marvelous thing in this place, and you will all say, so the Lord had done it from this day forward. Come on, church, shout again to the Lord. Believe, believe. Chuck, you've got an incredible house full of freedom in this place. When you come in, you can sense the freedom. And it reminds me a lot of the church I lead back home. There's the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And um, our house has had, it's a first-generation church. We pioneered it. There's a tremendous amount of prodigals. This is their first time trying to build a family from the Bible, first time experiencing a year given over to God, their life, their marriage given over to God, and I 
I really think that part of your next season, you guys, is a lot of the prodigals and a lot of the lost, the broken. Our world's never been more broken. And we need fathers. You're speaking to my heart every time we talk about fathers. That's, that's my heart, my passion. And church, we've got to rise and be spiritual mothers and fathers. I see, I see a lot of gray hairs and, and no hair in here. We don't have that in our church yet because we're a first-generation church. But it's coming. And you guys have an opportunity to spiritually mother and father the people that come in. I encourage you. Some of the best things that happened in my life when I was in my early 20s, when I was broken, is I'd be sitting next to somebody in worship, just 10, 15, 20 years older than me. And they'd turn to me and they'd give me a word and speak over my life. And it's what I needed to keep going. It's what I needed. And you have that like a well here in this church. So I just encourage you guys, take today like he was talking about and start pouring out. You're going to see great things in this house. Thank you, Daniel. Stay right here. You know, um, this, is, this is a Kairos moment if there's ever been one. I just, I just affirm and thank you. What you all don't know is uh, when Pastor Arvo and I were in Portland for the Global Leadership Gathering, in the afternoon they had breakouts. Um, they called them apps. And one of them I went to was Pastor James, who was here just a few weeks ago. What you don't know is they sent Pastor James out from Portland to Johannesburg. And here, so that's, I'm sitting there in that session, and you know, I was like, you got to come to restoration. The very next breakout I went to was Daniel's. And, and his was, Leading after letdown. You finished. I raced to you and I said, you got to send me your notes. I thought my story was tough. What you've been through, this, this is a great man of God who has been tested and tried. Where he's taking you. And of all the sons you have in the Lord, for this to be the one to come to Atlanta, what a, what a sweet time this has been. I bless you, my friend. And a name like Daniel, our poor church has a deal with Pastor Chuck. <laughs> You're Daniel. And I just, I, we receive the... Do y'all feel it? Listen, I'm, you're preaching and I'm thinking of the people here. I'm going, oh, I hope they're listening. Expect a supernatural turnaround. Expect it. Forget about what's happened. Forget about it. Forget about it. Forget about it. In the first service, Pastor Frank, you led us and you said, lift your hand up and, and grab it. Grab this rhema word. Just catch it. And I want to ask you, if, if you're here today you go, God was speaking to me through that message. I want you to just lift your hand. Just catch it in the air. Don't let it get to the back wall. Grab it. Just, just claim it. That Raymond word for you. Two things he said. There's a gap. Honey, will you hand me my Bible? And the gap is where you've been living and this. And that's called perspective. And you have the wrong perspective until you start living out of this. How many of you, not just for our church, but for your life, you want that gap to close? Come on, somebody. In the name of Jesus. And listen to me. You can't get there. You can't close that gap in your natural reasoning. That's why you're here. 
That's called the Holy Spirit. The supernatural birthing of those promises. And that faith comes not by might, education, intellect, IQ. Comes by His Spirit. Am I talking to you? And, and today, I said, you're not going to forget today. I know I'm not. From this day forward, things are going to be different. Amen. Um, I feel so compelled in my spirit. We're going to close. But I feel so compelled in my spirit that there are people. And I know it's late, but this is a red letter day. I'm going to ask. We're going to dismiss. But I want to ask the prayer team, staff, elders, elder couples, small group leaders, you're going to need to be prepared to help people drive a stake in the ground. Even after we dismiss, uh, if you need prayer, and I'm telling you, the weight of the word that was delivered today, it, there's a seismic shift happening in this room. Some of you, you need to listen to this message. You need to get on Facebook, YouTube, you need to listen to it every day for the next five days to get this on your hard drive because this word is for you. Amen? And so I declare over you, the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you. Lift his countenance up on you and give you peace. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, say it out and declare it. I receive it. In Jesus' name. God bless you. We love you. And one more time, praise God for Dr. Frank Damasio. We love you so much. And Sharon. God bless you. And for those who need prayer, feel free to come. Have a good afternoon, everybody. Your name is life. Break every strong.